Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we discuss cases that involve corruption and negligence from the people that we are expected to trust. These cases range from the police ignoring protocol to corporations placing people's lives in jeopardy in order to maximize profit. Today, I'm drinking a hard cider to go along with this case, one of my favorite drinks. What about you, Del? I'm drinking a Twisted Tea. Ooh, a nice, again, a nice little summer treat. Yes. Listen, we only have about a month left, right? I know. I'm sad. I know you're looking forward to fall, but I don't, I'm not looking forward to it this year. Listen, if we could skip fall and go into like a true negative 20 degree winter, I would love it. No way. My (laughs) seasonal depression would not be here for that. (laughs) All right, enough of that. Let's get into today's case. On this week's episode, we will be discussing the case of Madeline McCain. This case caused an international uproar and created a media storm that led to this case becoming a spectacle that would be known as the most heavily reported missing persons case in modern history. We will be providing a brief overview and we'll focus more on police practices and media attention rather than an in-depth look at evidence and conspiracies. On the evening of May 3rd, 2007, three-year-old Madeline McCain went missing while she was with her family on holiday at the Ocean Club in Praia de Luz, Portugal. Her parents, Jerry and Kate McCain, had left her alone in the unlocked holiday apartment with her twin siblings while they dined out with friends at the resort like they had done every other night on their vacation. The holiday apartment was 160 feet from the restaurant and had access to the street surrounding the resort. The McCains and their friends, who were also leaving their children in the vacation apartments, were dubbed the Tapas Seven by the media. It should be noted the resort offered free on-site childcare. The seven adults checked in on the children periodically, and at 10 p.m., Kate discovered Madeline was missing and ran back to the group yelling, Madeline's gone, someone's taken her. From the beginning, many claimed Portuguese police didn't take Madeline's case seriously. Police were called at 10.15 p.m. but did not arrive at the resort until 11 p.m. They didn't steal off the McCain's apartment and in the process likely lost valuable evidence attached to Maddie's disappearance, which the police have admitted to. Border officials weren't notified until the following day, which means roadblocks weren't put up until several hours after Maddie was reported missing, and Interpol wasn't contacted until five days later. Police also failed to properly check the nearby holiday apartments and homes and didn't interview every Ocean Club staff member. The Portuguese police initially gave the parents suspect status and assumed the accident had happened and the parents were trying to cover it up. The status was lifted when the Portugal Attorney General archived the case. The narrow focus on the McCain stopped the police from thoroughly investigating any other possible suspects. Scotland Yard opened an inquiry into the case named Operation Grange in 2011. The senior investigator stated he was treating the disappearance as a criminal act by a stranger. The Portuguese Police Department reopened their investigation in 2013, and earlier this year, a new suspect was linked to the case. So far, no criminal charges have been filed in connection with Madeline's disappearance. There were two possible sightings of Madeline on the night of her disappearance. First was the Tanner sighting. Jane Tanner was one of the top of seven and told the police that around 9.15, she had noticed a man carrying a young child not far from Madeline's bedroom. She described him as white, dark-haired, five foot seven inches tall, of Southern European or Mediterranean appearance, 
and likely 35 to 40 years old, wearing gold or beige trousers and a dark jacket. She said he did not look like a tourist. Portuguese police accused Tanner of lying about the sighting and didn't take her seriously. Years later, the man in question was determined by Scotland Yard to be a tourist carrying his daughter. I believe this was found out in 2013, and she went missing in 2007, so why did it take this long to clear this man? The other sighting was the Smith sighting, and it proved to be more plausible. Martin and Mary Smith, an Irish couple on holiday with their family, reported that they had seen a man carrying a three- or four-year-old away from where the McCanns had been dining with their friends. The man was mid-30s, 5 foot 7 inches to 5 foot 9 inches, slim to normal build, with short brown hair, wearing cream or beige trousers. He did not look like a tourist and seemed uncomfortable carrying the child. The sighting was reported to Portuguese police on May 26, uh, weeks after Madeline's disappearance. There are several theories associated with this case. These theories are purely speculative and we may never know what really happened. We are not here to convince you of someone's guilt or innocence. All persons are presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. The first theory is that Madeline's parents were responsible for her disappearance. The main theme of this theory is that she was accidentally killed, possibly by receiving too much of a sedative from her parents. The top of seven hid her body after the fact. The McCain's then reported her as a missing child. At some point afterwards, despite the full glare of the media falling on them, the McCain's returned to dispose of the body without anyone noticing. Many believe that the McCain's were cold and unemotional when speaking to the media about their daughter. The McCain's gave inconsistent statements to Portuguese police, and they were also reportedly uncooperative with them. Kate refused to answer 48 questions when asked by the Portuguese police. These questions included who contacted the authorities and what is your medical specialty. This hesitation from Kate was connected to the poor job the police did during the initial stages of the investigation, and the assumptions the police had that Kate was involved. So I don't blame her for not being forthcoming with the Portuguese police. The second theory is that Madeline wandered off from the apartment and either fell off of the cliff, drowned in the ocean, or was hit by a driver that buried her and didn't report the accident. Can you imagine if that's really what happened? Like after all these years, it was something as simple as that? You know what? I actually can't. We're going to get into our theories a bit later on, but it just sounds so far-fetched that someone would be involved in a tragic accident like this and not take responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So another theory is that this is a case of robbery gone wrong. The theory alleges that someone broke into the McCann apartment with plans to steal valuables. They were spooked by Madeline and killed her and disposed of her body elsewhere. There were many nearby burglaries in the months leading to Maddie's disappearance, and strange men had been seen in the area asking for donations for an orphanage that didn't exist in the days prior to Maddie's disappearance. One flaw with this theory is that nothing was stolen from the McCann's apartment. I also don't think there were signs of forced entry. The last theory is that a pedophile kidnapped Madeline and either had her as captive or killed her. The facts seem to support this scenario of events best. This theory posits that a stranger who had been watching the McCanns broke into the apartment and kidnapped Madeline around the time of the Smith sighting. 
Prior to Madeline's disappearance, there were five sexual assaults involving children of tourists in the area she disappeared from. These assaults all involved a break-in at a holiday apartment. Connected to this theory, it's also believed Madeline was possibly kidnapped and sold into a sex trafficking ring. In 2008, police were reportedly looking into claims that Madeline was kidnapped on the orders of a Belgian pedophile ring. It's also been suggested that Madeline was taken to the Lagos Marina, just five miles from Praia de Luz, and placed on a boat to Morocco where she was sold into slavery. As we mentioned before, Madeline's parents are no longer considered suspects in this case. Robert Murat, a British property developer who lived near the Ocean Club Resort, was an initial suspect. He served as an unofficial interpreter, and many thought his actions were strange, since he often spoke to the media and almost wedged himself into the case. He was seen by many near the McCann's apartment the night of her disappearance, but that can be possibly explained by how close he lived to the resort. His home was searched twice, but no evidence was found. Murat's web designer, Sergei Malinka, was also considered a suspect. It was thought that they possibly worked together to kidnap Maddie, but no evidence was found linking him to Madeline either. Many police sketches of suspects were released to the public, and many locals and tourists reported seeing a suspicious man in the area leading up to Madeline's disappearance. This included an ugly, pimply-faced, blonde-haired man who was reportedly seen around the resort and watching the McCann's apartment. The newest and main suspect in this case is a German man by the name of Christian Bruckner. Christian was in Portugal at the time of the disappearance and had a prepaid cell phone that pinged near the Ocean Club Resort. He is currently in jail on separate drug-dealing charges and in 2019 was charged with raping a 72-year-old woman in Praia de Luz, Portugal. This case has so many twists and turns. But Jenny, what do you think happened? Adele, I'm really not sure what happened. There's so many twists and turns, like you said. And the more you research, the more, you know, it looks like one person, one theory over another. But I do feel that Madeline was kidnapped and sold into some type of human trafficking ring. Maddie would have been valuable to traffickers for her age and appearance. Uh, there were many witnesses claiming to see a strange man in the area around the resort, and it seemed like he was kind of scoping out the family's apartment in particular. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if a hotel employee was somehow connected to a potential human trafficking ring and acting as a scout. I mean, it would be pretty smart on their end to have someone on the inside working, and we know that the tapas seven was at this rest, the tapas restaurant every night of the vacation. And they allegedly said, like, we need this specific table to keep an eye on our children in the, you know, apartments. So if someone had that information, you can pass that along to other people in the human trafficking ring. And, you know, you kind of have a perfect case. And if human trafficking isn't what happened, I do think a sex offender was involved and that they likely killed her. And I want to hear more about Christian Bruckner, too. I really hope he isn't just some kind of like scapegoat after all these years, uh, but I guess only time will tell. Um, I Well, I do think Jerry and Kate were negligent in leaving their children unattended and that there is compelling evidence against them. I do think it's unlikely that they were involved. However, I'm not 
totally convinced that they're innocent. I'm kind of just on the fence with everything in general. One of the reasons why I don't think it's Kate and Jerry is because they struggled to have children and conceived Maddie through IVF and even called her a miracle baby. And they were so excited to have a family. I know a lot of people want to say that maybe they overdosed her accidentally with sedatives, but they were both doctors and they would likely know how much medication to administer even to a child. And that's only if reports of them giving their children sedatives were true. You know, this is kind of all alleged. Also, they were tourists in an unfamiliar area, and I find it hard to believe that they would easily find somewhere to hide Maddie's body if, in fact, she was killed. I think if that were the case, the body would have been found by now. And that's kind of one of my biggest things. I feel like with all of these theories, well, with most of them, she would have been found by now. I mean, all except for probably the human trafficking, in my opinion. And I also doubt that 13 years later, they're so involved in this case, and they really do a lot to keep Maddie's name out there and to keep this case going. And if they were involved, I kind of doubt that they'd have this much momentum 13 years later. And I'm not sure if any of the Tapas 7 had a rental car to move her body or if any of them had previously traveled to Praia de Luz before and were familiar with the area. I know one of the theories is that the Tapas 7, you know, the friends helped Jerry and Kate cover up for this crime, but if they weren't familiar with the area, again, they're all tourists. How would they know where to go? And if the Tapas 7 did make this pact of secrecy like everyone or like many have claimed, I think someone would have cracked by now and let something slip. And, you know, I think maybe even by now we would have heard something from one of the children that was there too. You know, like, where's Maddie? What happened to Maddie? What about you, Del? So I do think this is a case of a pedophile kidnapping and murdering Madeline. I think that even if she was initially alive, that the massive attention that this case received would have scared the kidnapper. I'm not sure whether Christian is the person responsible, but I do think that his history suggests that he could be capable of the crime. This case is very unique in that it doesn't have many specific credible suspects tied to it. I firmly believe that the Portuguese police incompetence is the reason why this case has not been solved. Yeah, and we'll get more into that a little bit later. So the parents have released statements regarding the continued investigation into Madeline's disappearance. The first was released on June 3rd, 2020, regarding Scotland's Yard appeal for new information on the case. And it's, quote, We welcome the appeal today regarding the disappearance of our daughter, Madeline. We would like to thank the police forces involved for their continued efforts in the search for Madeline. All we have ever wanted is to find her, uncover the truth, and bring those responsible to justice. We will never give up hope of finding Madeline alive, but whatever the outcome may be, we need to know as we need to find peace. We will be making no further comment regarding the appeal today. We would like to thank the general public for their ongoing support and encourage anyone who has information directly related to the appeal to contact the police. The second statement was published on June 6, 2020. And it reaffirmed that the police are investigating and that the media is still publishing misleading stories about the case and specifically the parents. Quote, as we have stated many times before, we will not give a running commentary on the investigation. 
That is the job of the law enforcement agencies, and we will support them in any way requested. Furthermore, we do not have a family spokesperson, nor are we actively paying any lawyers. Any recent comments attributed in the media have not come from us unless they have been posted on our website. If there are important developments that can be made public, they will be issued through official police channels, end quote. The most recent update from Project Grange stated the MPS continues to investigate Madeline's disappearance as a missing person investigation. So human trafficking is one of the possible theories of what could have happened to Madeline. And it is a pretty hot button and hot topic issue that we talk about today in 2020. I'm not really sure how much the general public knew about it in 2007 when Maddie went missing. I know a lot of people kind of want to keep a blind eye to it because it is honestly very depressing and disturbing information to hear about. Um, human trafficking has been on the rise. It rose um, from 2018 to 2019 in Portugal specifically. And there's actually more cases of labor trafficking than uh, sex trafficking in Portugal, again, specifically. Um, but we do know that human trafficking is a global issue. It's all over the world. Every you know, every continent for sure has something going on. So we do know that uh, human trafficking has likely happened in Portugal before Madeline, you know, was on vacation there. And we know this partially from the Rui Pedro case. Rui was a boy that went missing in 1998 from Lusada, Portugal. He was 11 years old. And he was believed to have been taken into a child porn and pedophile ring. Um, and I'm sure some of you are familiar with the Wonderland Club. It, again, was a child porn ring that was, uh, I guess, disrupted or taken down through Operation Cathedral. And this Wonderland Club was a worldwide group of pedophiles that would share child pornography and there were photos believed to be Rui Pedro and his mother, I think, pretty much confirmed that he was in these photos. So we do, there is a possible connection to past human trafficking, sex trafficking of a child specifically. Another thing with this case is the sensationalization through the media. This case became a media circus and it has so many twists and turns and I actually ended with lawsuits several of them yeah so robert we are at one of the very first suspects actually sued 10 british newspapers tabloid magazines i guess for libel and he won six hundred thousand pounds he claimed that their accusations destroyed his family and his reputation and i would agree um the british tabloids are notorious for being I would say vile, honestly, very toxic, very accusatory, pretty much the definition of sensational media, just anything to get the headlines. And of course, Madeline was a British child. She went missing in another country. So there's a level of that. I mean, she's, you know, she's British. She's one of their own. I'm sure they felt very connected to her. And maybe it started off as good intentions about, okay, let's get her name out there, we'll get her face out there, because this is an international case. But 
it turned into something very, I would say, sinister. Robert Murat wasn't the only one who had his reputation destroyed. I think Kate and Jerry McCann also faced a lot of scrutiny and backlash from the sensational media as well as the public. Yes, yeah, so the editor of the Daily Express had became obsessed with the couple. Um, they ran headlines that included that Madeline had been killed by sleeping pills, fine body or McCann's will escape, McCann's or friend must be to blame. The Daily Star, which is a part of the Express group of papers, ran a story with the headline, Maddie sold by hard up parents. This is ridiculous there's really not much evidence to for most of these things no and luckily they were held to account so the daily express and the daily star they both had to publish a front page apology in 2008 and donate 550,000 pounds to the madeline fund the tap is seven which also was a part of a big media circus and accusatory claims they were awarded 375,000 pounds. They also received an apology from the Daily Express. It really goes to show how the media, how much powerful the media is and how the narrative that they want to push really becomes accepted by the public. At first, everyone was on the McCann side. Everyone was, everyone in Pride to Lose, it was a town of a thousand people, a lot of former British citizens, they were all there trying to help the McCanns, helping look for Maddie. And, you know, by the end of this, they were sick of them being there. Honestly, it was so much attention for this one child. And many people felt, why is she getting so much attention? You know, kids go missing all the time and they're never found, and which is so sad. And I understand a little of where these people are coming from, but I think it's a very selfish way to think too. Like, you're just annoyed that you're hearing this all the time and that it's overtaken your home. Well, these parents have a missing child. And regardless of whether you want to think, you know, they killed their daughter or not, which I guess is part of why people were so annoyed because that's what they thought. That's what the media was kind of telling them. You know, we don't know what happened. There's not evidence to prove it one way or another. And they don't have their child and we're getting annoyed with them. It's not right. And I think that that leads us to one of the reasons why this case hasn't been solved. And that's the faulty forensic science and the faulty police work that was done in this case. So as we talked about earlier, neither Border nor Marine police were given descriptions of Madeline for hours and officers did not make house to house searches. Not everyone at the resort was interviewed And according to Madeline's mom, an officer placed tape around the doorway of the children's bedroom. But at 3 a.m. on May 8th, they left without securing the apartment. A crowd had gathered by the front door of the apartment, including next to the children's bedroom window, which trampled on evidence. Reportedly, one of the officers dusted the bedroom window exterior shutters for fingerprints, but wasn't wearing gloves or any other protective clothing. It's just basic stuff you would think police would know to do. I will say, I have heard that the Portuguese police didn't really have that much manpower. I have heard that Portugal was a very safe country at this time, but 
I mean, as we said before, there were other, there were child sexual assaults happening and break-ins. So they were used to doing some type of footwork. Right. And I think this was an ego thing. It was also reported that there was competition and hard feelings between the Portuguese police and Scotland Yard. So when we talk about the botched police work and the faulty forensics, we do have to mention the cadaver and the blood sniffing dogs. So this um, expert, Martin Grime, brought in his blood uh, sniffing and his corpse sniffing dog, uh, their spaniels, Eddie and Keela. And they alerted to the smell of human decomposition and human blood in the McCann's holiday apartment. And this was in Jerry and Kate's uh, bedroom closet, as well as behind the couch in the living room. They both alerted to the scent of human decomposition and human blood. They also alerted to the scent of both of these in the McCann's rental car, which was rented weeks, I believe it was 21 days after Maddie's disappearance. And they also alerted to the smell of human decomposition on some of Kate's clothing, as well as um, Maddie's stuffed animal cuddle cat. And the McCann's didn't really have explanations for this, which I do think is suspicious and strange. I think Kate actually said that the reason why there was human decomposition on her clothing was because of her job as a doctor, but she wasn't, I don't think she was working with corpses. She was a general practitioner. And why would she be wearing vacation clothes at work? It's just a little odd, Um, but it should be noted that the handler Martin Grime did say that the dogs are accurate, but this evidence needs to be used in corroboration with some more evidence. You can't just use this as, you know, the end-all be-all that these people committed a crime. So the DNA that was found in some of these searches was sent to a British firm called the Forensic Science Services um, for DNA profiling, and they used a controversial technique known as low copy number, which is controversial because it's vulnerable to contamination and misinterpretation And it's used, I guess, when there's only few cells that are available. So you're really, you know, you have a small amount of DNA and you're really hoping to find something. And the DNA came back. It contained 15 out of 19 of Madeline's DNA components. And that result was too complex for meaningful interpretation. But the... Portuguese police, they kind of spun it in their own way. They kind of made their own media spectacle out of this, saying that they had some big information and that they were going to be making arrest an arrest based off of this. However, some people think it could have been translated poorly, and that's why they really thought they the police thought they had more than they really did. In addition to the faulty forensics, you also had a power struggle with the investigations, with the Portuguese police feeling they were being condescended to, and they felt like the British were acting as a colonial power. Yeah, I can I can kind of see why they would maybe think that, because they have these outsiders coming in, and these countries were doing things completely different. The um, Where was Madeline from? Leicester? Leicester? Yeah, Leicester, I I'm sorry if we have any English listeners and we're not saying this right, Um, but she was from Leicester and they actually sent a few um, officers from her hometown over to assist the Portuguese police with this case. 
And some people believe that was a bad idea. So I think when it comes to having the British investigators go over to Portugal, I think that that was a very important step because police have messed up so much that I think that they needed the help of additional investigators, especially ones that were more familiar with the family and the culture of the family. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, kind of knowing the culture of the family, because as I said, you know, the police in these, the UK versus Portugal do things differently, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think the McCanns really thought that their case would be handled the way it should have. Not to say that's a cultural difference because, I mean, if the police in England are making mistakes too, we know that we're going to report on English cases and we're going to point that out. No police department is perfect. Um, But the Portuguese police definitely screwed up in those vital few hours. I mean, they got to Madeline's, to the apartment, like 45 minutes to like an hour and a half after the initial call. I mean, that right there, you're either not taking it seriously or something's going on. I don't really think it was because they were so busy. I haven't seen any reports of that. I think it was not smart of them to close off the borders in Europe. Countries are so close together. You can travel, you can start in one country, and hours later, you've driven through two more. Uh, it's a really you know unique to that continent, and it is something to be considered, especially because she went missing in a you know, a country that wasn't her home country. And the fact that they didn't close off the scene. I mean, come on. This has happened in so many cases. I know we talked about this with John Benet Ramsey. I know it's not going to be the last time we talk about something like this. I know that the police, you know, at first were just looking for a girl that was missing and they thought that she had just wandered off. But it was quickly realized by everyone that that wasn't the case and the police didn't act accordingly. I think that it should be standard practice for the police to treat any case of a missing child as the utmost something negative could have happened and you need to collect evidence later type of situation because you never know what you're doing at the time could be negatively affecting a later investigation. And it's one thing if evidence is being destroyed because you're, for example, saving a life. Yeah. And I have heard that everything was kind of haphazard and there was no order on the Portuguese police's end and the UK police that were involved really weren't used to this. Again, maybe it could have been manpower this was the Pride de Luge area only had a thousand residents that's not too much I'm not sure how uh, Leicester Leicestershire what the population for that town and area was um, but it you know it's something to be considered if you have any information about what happened to Madeline McCain or her whereabouts you can contact the Operation Grange incident room at 0207 321-9251-or-operation.grange-at-met.police.uk. You can also visit findmadeline.com to learn more about this case. That wraps up this week's case. Let us know what you think happened to Madeline McCain. Thank you for listening. Make sure you click the subscribe button. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms every Wednesday with a new episode. Follow us on Instagram at Crime Corruption Cocktails and Twitter at Charade Inc. Please consider donating to our Patreon. This will help us get better equipment and bring higher quality content to you. We appreciate any amount you can give. This is Jenny and Dell signing off. Stay safe.